Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hello and welcome to the podcast. After a great weekend of Premiership Rugby, it's almost time for the Six Nations to kick off. And with me to discuss everything you need to know ahead of this weekend, it's the Evening Standard Steve Cording. Steve, how are you? Uh, I'm better now, Law. I had a touch of man flu last week, which actually was a double-edged sword. Um, it actually meant that I got to watch quite a bit of cricket, which was... Uh, I have to say, how fantastic was that yesterday? Congratulations to uh, England beating India. Indeed. Which is a, give us all a Philip. We know you media types, you know, you're creative in that creative industry. You have, you know, man flu and tissue meetings and all those sorts of things. <laughs> so, um, we have our special guest this week, uh, an old friend. Uh, no, he's actually a friend, but he's also an old <laughs> friend of the podcast. It's Ben. <laughs> It's Ben Kay. Benny, how are you? I'm good. Good to be back, Lawrence. Yeah, one of the you're one of the founder members, yeah, aren't you, Ben? Yeah. Remember? Back in the it's days when we were working with Will McPherson and his Absolutely. lovely hair. Yeah. Indeed. Hot footed up from uh, King's Home, where you were working very hard. I always feel uh, of all of our crew on TNT that you were the hardest. Can I? Am I allowed to say that? Oh, it's very kind of you, Lawrence. I'm not sure you can call it work, but yeah, I'll turn up. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what a weekend for the Premiership in terms of narrowing up the league. Obviously, big break now for the Six Nations, but when we come back to that, six games left and I think there's about nine teams that can still qualify for the top four. Yeah, it was very exciting, wasn't it? So we've got a break now for seven weeks. I mean, who would you both say are the big winners and losers of that break? Because obviously um, Northampton probably want to carry on. Ten wins in a row, don't want it to stop. Gloucester have finally turned the corner and got a couple of wins uh, under their belt. Whereas Sale, I guess, do need a break and need to regroup. Will Sale benefit from that break, do you think? I think with Sale particularly, having seen, you know, they're in a bit of a, um, a rut at the moment in terms of the way that they're playing. They're clearly not winning games and having started the season on fire, they probably do need a bit of a reset. Alex Anderson, their coach, looked a pretty dejected man last night, actually, and not just with their performances, but I think the, the number of injuries that they've picked up a little bit unlucky. So I think for them, on the evidence of what I saw, you know, in their game, I think they probably could do with uh, a little spell in the medical room and get some of those players back and just press that reset button. They're not out the picture, of course, um, but uh, you, you never know. A break for them could be a good thing, whereas... Ben, I'm sure for some of the other teams like Gloucester, you know, as you said, Northampton, you know, when you're winning, you just want to keep going. Absolutely. I think, you know, Sale in particular, you mentioned about the injuries. I mean, they had injuries going into this game. Obviously, Johnny Hill's out for the rest of the season, but they're getting injuries in all the same positions and really important to their style of play. So, you know, Dan Dupree yesterday serious looking injury. Visa yesterday came off injured. Then we saw Van Rain 
limping around the field after he twisted his ankle. So you've got all these really heavyweight players for them, and that's that's a big part of their game out of the equation. So whether seven weeks is going to be long enough for that, but they are desperate for that break. In terms of the others, I, I guess sometimes it's how the coaches frame it, isn't it? Because yes, Northampton don't want to stop. They've got massive momentum uh, that they don't want to give up. But the likes of Leicester Tigers, for example, so a decent run of games having had a poor start to the season. And you might say the same about them, that they want to keep the momentum going. But I just wonder, actually, if they almost want to bank their chips and go, right, we got away with that last game against Harlequins. Uh, we've put ourselves back in the fight. Now we need a six-week period to reset, almost have that mini preseason for a big run of games at, at the back end of the season. So I think... Yeah, there are pluses and minuses to everything, aren't there? But I think the only team that will really be nervous about the break is Northampton because they don't look like they've got much to improve on. They've obviously did very well in their preseason in terms of adapting their their physicality for, for their new game plan. And it's worked. And they just want the season to carry on, I think. And, and then particularly with them being built up that nice cushion, what are they seven points ahead now of, of, of everyone else? They're almost there to be sniped at. And every point they give up, that pressure then just comes onto them. And I think with Northampton, I think the you're absolutely right. They've not really been in this position. They've always been chasing, haven't they? They've always been that team that are sort of round fourth or fifth. Have they got the forward pack that can challenge? And they're going to get a lot more of their players picked at international level, I think, over the next seven or eight weeks. And that's not something they've been used to. And how those players come back from international duty and settle back into the club will be almost things that Harlequins, Leicester, Saracens, all these other teams have had to deal with every year, really. It's always been Courtney Laws and and that's kind of it, really. I think that, funnily enough, they'll actually want as many of their players picked as they can because... They'll then get the bounce of confidence from these guys that, oh, wow, I'm, a, I'm an established England player now. And, and, you know, when you first get into that, it really gives you, your psychology a, a lift. I think the worst thing that can happen for them is Steve Borthwick doesn't pick many of them. And they come back seven weeks feeling a bit flat and deflated because they've been away having enjoyed this first part of the season so much. And no matter how good a team person you are, if you're in and around the England squad, but you're not getting a sniff, it, it does deflate your, your psychology. So I think the best thing that can happen for Northampton is a, is a bit of game time for some of their star players that deserve it. And then they'll come back and go, right, let's let's finish what has been an amazing season off on a high. Shall we uh, talk about our favourite time of the year then, the uh, the Six Nations, as it's a bit chilly and a bit cold during January when it starts. And then obviously by the time we finished in March, we're looking forward to spring and a bit of summer. So we are working with uh, our partners, QBE Business Insurance, throughout the Six Nations. They've produced a predictor which, believe it or not, simulates the tournament 10,000 times, producing the outcome for 150,000 games. So I've got in front of me the results for the first round, which are being forecast by QBE, which is as follows. Uh, France, 25. Ireland, 26. Italy, 11. England, 39. Wales, 15. Scotland, 23. So should we start with the game that both of you are going to in Rome? Italy against England. I'd quite like both of you actually to pick your starting 15s for uh, for England for this weekend because there are a few conundrums. So if we take it uh, position by position, who would you have in the front row? Ben, you go first. So obviously, you know, a lot of the unexpected stuff and uh, and the doubt is around post-World Cup, when does Steve Borthwick start 
looking to the future a little bit, but he also needs to cement this place. And I, I think Ellis Genge will definitely start at the loose head. I think obviously Jamie George will start at hooker because he's captain. So it'd be very strange to make him captain and then oh, no, not pick him, but I think he's out and out. <laughs> and then not pick him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons he's been picked is because I think he's so secure of his place. And then if you look at what he did in the World Cup, he tended to try and get a bit of balance of players. So if you've got someone like Ellis Genge that you want to be running around the field, you probably want a fairly strong scrummager in there. So I think Hayes will get his time. But what throws this selection out a little bit is because it's Italy. And would it be seen that you might go in with a slightly different side if Italy was later on in the tournament, but you want a big start. So I think he might go with Dan Cole, believe it or not. Yeah, and I think for me, Let's just remind our listeners that England have lost more games in the last few Six Nations championships than they've won. Last three. Last yeah, the three, last three. It? So, I mean, you know, in in the words of um, of, a, of one captain that I knew once, um, we're slightly overdrawn at the moment um, and we need to get ourselves back in credit. And, you know, this is a game where clearly I think you do need to bring in certain players because if you're bringing in uncapped players into a tournament at what point do you play them well you play them um, really in a game where they're probably going to feel a bit more comfortable and that might be the opening game but I'm inclined to agree with Ben this is not the team that Steve Borthwick's going to pick this is the team that I would pick I don't know how much game time Ellis Genge has had since the World Cup uh, when we were playing you'd almost be put on the bench if you haven't had enough game time but the return to play protocols are a bit different now they seem to be able to go from having a long-term injury straight into the starting 15 because the training has been adapted so significantly so there's every chance if he's fit and ready to go I would pick Ellis Genge but if he's not I'm still a big Joe Marler fan and would definitely have uh, him in the team with, with Ellis off the bench I think the captain is the captain and should have been captain about three or four years ago, if I'm honest. Great that he's captain now. And that's nothing against um, Owen Farrell. I just think it's a it's a great appointment because Jamie's one of those few players that's not only got the respect of his own teammates, he's one of those captains that actually the opposition would admire and respect as well and not use as a way of motivating themselves anymore against England. And and I, I Dan Cole, absolutely. I think he's still, even at 36, got a huge part to play in this England team as we transition across to whatever team we're going to have in a couple of years' time. So uh, no disagreements there. Second row-wise, I'll, I'll kick off. I mean, Maritoji, thankfully, has you know, hit the form that we know he's capable of. I think his role within this squad and this team, not only as a player but as a leader, is going to be huge over the next few years. So he starts in the second row. And I think... You know, we've got some injuries, obviously, across the whole second row. But um, if Oli Chesson comes through his, his, his head knock, whilst he's a contender at six, and probably I'd prefer to see him there more often, I think he he's, you know needs must at the minute. And I think they'll pack down in the second row. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you agree, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, you know, had George Martin been fit, that conversation about the whole back five makeup would have been very, very different. And I think we might have seen all three of them starting. But... Um, with George Martin out, there's no doubt for me that it's, it's Chesham and Itoji. And I think in the back row, this is probably the hardest back row dilemma, really, because England have got one or two injuries. Obviously, you've got players that have moved on. You've got players that haven't been selected. You've got players like Jack Willis who can't be selected. Um, so it's it's a tricky one. For me, I think you have we have to have a look at Tom Pearson. We, we have to see him in an international jersey. I do think that we need to get some size into our team um, in terms of... Uh, the back row. Um, 
And if you look at South Africa and France, you know what sets them apart is 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 the sheer size that they have. And I do think this this young man is an intelligent football player. I think he's got enough in his game to not just be you know a handful of caps. I think he, he could be around for a very long time. So I'd like to see him in there. Um, I think Ben Earl deserves to be there. And I guess you know for me in a game like this, I'd st- I'd like to see Sam Underhill in there as well. But uh, I know people will be saying, well, why not Alex Dombran? Why have you not picked him? I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think that he will get game time in this championship and I think it's a massive championship for him because coaches have to trust players and I'm not sure Alex Dombrowski's quite performed at England to get the trust of Steve Borthwick yet and I think if he doesn't in this championship, then I think that patience will run out. So it's a big big championship for him, but I think I would go with uh, with, with those three. Betty will probably pick another three, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Look, as we all know, the back row, probably more than any other unit, is all about balance. And we look at that list of players and we go, oh, yeah, well, Don Brandt's playing fantastically well. Ben Earl was amazing at the World Cup. Tom Pearson's playing fantastically well. But they all do quite a similar role for their team. I think he's going to want a bit of grunt in there as well. I mentioned that I think that had Martin been fit, we might have seen one of the locks at six. But I think if he wants to put Ben Earl in the team... And uses pace from the base of the scrum, which we, we've seen him done before. You know, you're, you're a bit sort of hampered by all that that balance of positions, where they've been playing for their club, where they've had success for England level. But I think Ben Earl might start at eight, in which case you might be looking at someone that's a a decent line out option, so Ben Earl can go and stand in in the back line for the, the shortened line outs, but also the heavyweight carrier in the close quarters. And I think he might look at Ethan Roots from Exeter. So that would give you you know, a tall option for the line out, but a physical, hard player. And then I totally agree, you then need a, a seven that's you know, a good jackler, a good tackler. And I, I would have no problem if it was Sam Underhill, but I'd love to have a look at Ben Curry if available. So I think he has been sensational for sale. Obviously, been in his twin brother's shadow a fair bit. Bit more of an attacking option than Tom. Maybe not quite as effective over the ball as Tom. But I think that's a really nice balanced back row. It's a good job you two aren't England selectors. We'd never get a team pick. Well, they, they, this they must do this. Anyway. We... The coaches <laughs> must do this, right? Should we move on to nine and ten? Because I know that um, fly half last week, uh, lol, we spoke about Finn versus Marcus. Which side are you going to come down on for nine and ten to start in Italy? Alex Mitchell is obviously been playing out of his skin and, you know, amazing to think that, you know, however many months ago it was that he, he wasn't even in the England squad and he's parachuted into the World Cup and, and suddenly where he is now, really, really good. I think Ben Spencer warrants his selection and gives England, a, a you know, a, a really different way of playing. Can't believe that he was flown out to Japan, you know, for that World Cup final, arrived the week of the final that Benny and I were commentating and then we haven't seen him since, really. It's crazy to think that. But Six minutes, and, yeah. And Danny Kerr the same. But I think Alex Mitchell, is, you know, depends how England want to play, don't they, really? And I think, you know, I, I think they'll stick with, you know, Alex as the first choice. I, and I know this is might going to cause a bit of controversy, but I personally play Finn Smith in this game. If he's going to be an international rugby player, which I think he is for a long time, and he's going to be in and around the squad, then you are going to use him at some point in this championship. And I think that I wouldn't like to use him as an uncapped player in a game where we need to bring him on to win the game or, or, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So I think he will benefit. I mean, if we were playing Ireland or, or France, I'd probably say we, you'd start with uh, one of the other two. But actually, I think this is a great opportunity to give 
the young man an introduction to international rugby. I think his game in the long term is well suited to playing at test level. So I'd go with uh, with those two together. Um, and as I said, that's nothing against George Ford or, or Marcus Smith. I think it's just the right time because it's the right game in the championship to play him. Ben, what do you think? That's really interesting from Lol, and, and I agree with so many of those points. One of the big discussions that you probably need to have is around the bench. And even for the forward pack, there are people that are uncapped that could well feature as an impact player. Do you have Cunningham South coming off the bench or, you know, who's, what's your back row makeup? But probably more so at, at halfback. I guess, you know, if it wasn't about bringing people through with, with how everything's gone over the last couple of years, the big question would be, do you go for the Harlequins pairing? Or would you go for Mitchell and Ford if Finn Smith wasn't breaking onto the scene as much? And I totally get that, that we need to get him some game time. But I think with Farrell going, he's going to want the big voice on-field coach to sort of take over that role and, and just settle things a little bit. In which case, Marcus Smith can obviously do that job outstandingly well. But in terms of being the on-field coach in Steve Borthwick's mind, that would be George Ford. So I think if you play Care and Smith... You have to play the Harlequins way. And I'm not sure Steve Borthwick wants to do that. We might all sit at home going, yeah, but it's the best rugby. That's not what the statistics, and I hate to de-romanticise it, that's what Steve Borthwick looks at. What's the most likely chance of winning the game? And it's playing a certain game plan. You can change things up, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Danny Kerr and Marcus Smith on the bench to come on and, and try and impact that game. But I think he'll probably start with Mitchell and Ford. Interesting. So centres, anyway, I think we all thought it was pretty nailed on that it'd be Henry Slade outside and Ollie Lawrence inside centre. But now, obviously, we haven't got Ollie Lawrence. We haven't got Manu Tuolagi. Would you go for Fraser Dingwall Lol, who I have to say has probably got the best nickname I've seen of recent times? M1. Do you know why? Because he's got two hard shoulders. I love that. That's brilliant, isn't it? Very good. Is he the man to play inside? Listen, it's a problem area for all sides because it's such an important part of the game now. And, um, you know, it's also such an attritional position, isn't it? You know, trust and consistency is what you want on selection, but it's very difficult for Steve Borthwick to have that when so many players, you know, in that position keep getting injured. Ollie Lawrence was absolutely nailed on, no doubt about that, playing brilliantly for Bath. I'd probably pick Dingwall and, and, and Slade purely because they're the two form players. If you'd have asked me, you know, six weeks ago, I'm not sure I'd, I'd, have, I'd have given you that answer. But I think his his hand is kind of turned a little bit by what's happened out, you know, with injuries, etc. And again, Ben will, will say, well, depending on who you're picking in nine and ten, it, it does factor in who you pick at, at twelve and thirteen. But having Slade's experience and his leadership in that team, I think is is really important. He's been working on that with Exeter this season, uh, and Dingwall. Why not? I think you've got to be direct against Italy. You know, you can't be running laterally and sideways. And I think in Dingwall, you've got a guy who, you know, maybe not as physically as, as robust as some of these other guys, but I tell you what, he does pick a good line. Even more reason to play Finn Smith at 10. <laughs> but there we go. I, I don't know. That, that's, where, that's where I'm going. But I, I tend to fade out of selection meetings at this point. And, uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, I just left it to, to, to Clive Woodward, really. He said, no, no, we, 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 we've got the eight we need. Well, you, you can crack on with the rest of it, really. Shall we whiz through these, like, these last five players? Then go on, Ben. Who are you going to go As Lawrence uh, uncorks his bottle. Look, the, 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 I have heard a couple of people in and around saying, oh, what about George Furbank at 12 but as he hasn't played a huge amount there for Northampton but he is that sort of he's a good option for a potential 12 with his skill set um, but I would have to agree with Lawrence with, uh, sorry well 
with Lawrence, without Ollie Lawrence, uh, I think Dingwall absolutely uh, deserves a shot. May even have deserved his shot anyway if he was partnered with Lawrence. But I'll go with uh, Dingwall and Slade. And then back three. This is tough again and probably depends a bit on who you have on the bench. Again, for that stability and with who you might pair them with and balance in the back uh, three, I think I'll put uh, Freddie Stewart at fullback. I would actually, a lot of calls for uh, Manny Feyer-Waboso to come in as the uncapped uh, player. I'd actually go for Will Muir on one of the wings and I'd like size and power on one wing and a bit of evasion and speed on the other a little bit. You know, you look at the best wing pairings and over the years and, um, you know, the Ben Cohen, Jason Robinson or George North, Shane Williams, just that different threat on either side. So I'd go Will Muir on one side and then I'm going to go Tommy Freeman on the other. But whether if you have Freeman who can slot into the centres, you can then make room for someone like Faye Waboso to sit on the bench and maybe come on and have a cameo. Lawrence? Can't disagree with any of that. Stuart, I like Freeman. Definitely. I think he's banging form and, and has got a lot of versatility. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Now, the one thing, obviously, the QBE predictor has said is that England will win 39-11, which seems reasonable. Now, having watched a lot of, as well, while I have a little bit of man flu, uh, Netflix full contact, the one thing that comes across is how much Italy do struggle still in this tournament. Um, I was reading today, I think they've finished bottom in the last eight competitions. Is it time for them to face a bit of jeopardy and should we really start having some kind of promotion, relegation playoff in the Six Nations? Oh, um, no, I don't think it is really. Um, I think that I- Italy, there were signs under their previous, it was a Kieran Crowley and co that, that things were moving in the right direction. You know, it's always been the, the challenge for them is, is the consistency in games. They have purple patches where they play really well and, and they they go all out attack and then they make two or three mistakes and suddenly they're, they're seven, 21 points down on the scoreboard. So I don't believe that. I think they obviously have a new coaching setup and uh, you know that's going to be interesting to see how things develop. They will be targeting certain games where they feel they've got a bigger chance of winning. But listen, if you introduced um, any of the other sides, there'd still be a huge golf in class. I mean, 
maybe in, in a one-off World Cup game, the teams like Georgia can perform well. But when you start playing against, you know, established Six Nations teams, I think it's really hard. It really is, you know, very hard. But I expect Italy to go well. I think there'll be a, an injection of new ideas. And let's see what happens in this championship. Yeah, so they've got Gonzalo Quesada now, who was a guest on the podcast, obviously, last year as their head coach. Um, do you think one win at best from them, possibly in the last game in Wales, Ben? Well, that will be the goal. But look, to your point about should they be relegated, like we can all talk about what's fair and stuff. But if Italy keep coming up and down and then say you have Georgia as, as the other team that, that keep coming up and down. Do we actually ever improve anything? No, we just always have a, a, a whipping boy. So I'd love to see Georgia get more recognition, but I don't want to give up on the Italy project, particularly as Benetton, which is the majority of the Italian side, are sitting second in the URC behind Leinster. So maybe all this exposure has finally started to do some good and you know, it's great that the majority of that Italian side will come from the same confident uh, URC side and they might shock someone again this year, but they are definitely getting better. I know it's a long project. I know it's taken a long time. They probably should have had more wins than they have. They just have not quite been able to deliver at the key moments in games, but they've run even the best teams close at time. I, I watched uh, France and Italy a couple of years ago and France were in trouble at, at one stage. So, Let's not give up on them and let's hope that they can deliver with a couple more wins and just start to cement themselves. Because I tell you what, if they do not finish bottom one year, we won't all be asking for the team that does finish bottom to be relegated. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what they have delivered on is, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, Lowell, you've got a challenger now in the cooking stakes, Marco Riccioni, who's uh, released a YouTube cooking show uh, called, I love this, Scrambled Eggs. And he's teaching his teammates how to cook. First up is Elliot Daly. So, uh, yeah, if you want something a little bit different, have a look at that. Steve, I had a cookbook out. Oh. And I, I had 23 Michelin star chefs. Oh. This is a long time ago. Teaching uh, 23 of my former teammates, including a lot of the 2003 squad, how to cook dishes called Cooking with Balls. It did quite well, Cooking actually. Cooking with Balls. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, trailblazer. Can you send us... We need a copy of that to put up in the studio because at the moment we've only got Lowell's cookbook. So exactly, get us a copy exactly. Of that. Now listen, the uh, the Guinness Six Nations uh, starts on Friday night. It's not all about England, believe it or not. Uh, obviously, France play Ireland in Marseille, which is going to be spicy. Ben, after the disappointment of the World Cup where both sides probably could have and should have uh, at least got to the final of the World Cup, where do you think that you, we'll see these two sides? Obviously, France start as favourites because beating them in Marseille is going to be tough. No Johnny Sexton, no um, Entomac, and no Dupont either, who's obviously gone off to play sevens. It's such a big game and a big game as to start the tournament. And given where they've both come from in the World Cup, it could define the rest of their championship, couldn't it, really? Yes. And I think the predictor said Ireland were going to win. I'm not sure with all those thousands of times the games have been played. I don't know if Ireland and France have ever played each other in Marseille, but France really like playing away from Paris. You know, they've had some big performances down there. I think that'll be a major factor. I think it's really good for them that that's happening post-World Cup and the disappointment there. I think if they win that game, they'll go on and win a Grand Slam. I make up France favourites because of the draw. They've got you know, England and Ireland at home and I think they'll back themselves on the road against Wales and Scotland. And The other worry for the other teams is I think they did have a World Cup hangover and certainly evident at the beginning of the season. But the last two rounds of Investec Champions Cup action, 
showed them blitz teams that had <laughs> were potentially going in, thought, well, this might be our year to, to beat some of the big French teams. And uh, yeah, I, I think they'll be too strong. I think uh, they're definitely my favourites to win it. And I think they'll beat Ireland down in Marseille. But I'd never write Ireland off. And, and if they do win down there, it will go down as, as one of their greatest ever victories, I think. What do you think, Lawrence? I mean, Marseille is an incredible place to play rugby, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with Ben. I mean, I think post-World Cup disappointment going back to Paris would have been very tough for the French team because all those memories of what happened in the World Cup, you know, as, as much as you try and clear your mind of all of those, I don't know, Paris just feels like where the tournament was at. So, you know, for them to go, because of the Olympics, to go on the road, you know, playing Ireland in Marseille, England in Lyon, I mean, they're, they're favourites to win on Friday. I genuinely believe it would take a monumental effort from Ireland to change that without Sexton. And I see them winning not only that game, I do see them winning the title as well. But I, I think they could come unstuck once on the road because uh, I still think there's a little bit of vulnerability without Anton Dupont when they travel away from home. Had he been in the team, I think that they could win another Grand Slam. But uh, I think they're the favourites. Such an amazing game to start the tournament. And it's kind of, you know, the organisers have got it absolutely right this time. The two best teams from the last tournament, starting this year's tournament, I think gets us off to a fast start. Yeah, nice game on a Friday night. So the other game at the weekend, obviously, is Wales against Scotland, which the predictor forecasts a Scotland away win. Wales, obviously, no Jack Morgan. Uh, David Jenkins, 21, captain in the team. Is that going to be too much for Wales to overcome Scotland, who are, well, on paper, I'd say probably one of the favourites potentially to finish uh, nearer the top this time than the bottom? Yeah, obviously, Scotland have got a core that have really started to play well together over the last few years. Disappointing World Cup campaign. I know they had a a tough draw, but I think there was some, um, you know, renewed confidence in Scottish rugby, rightfully so, with what's happened in the Six Nations over the last few years. But you also add into the fact that some of the exciting talent that they've managed to bring in for this year's tournament, particularly some of those premiership players like Sir Aaron Reid coming in and Ewan Ashman's there, obviously, Bayliss, all guys that, that have been capped, but you sort of feel now might be their time to, to really cement uh, places within the team. So I think Scotland will be too strong, but it's the first game and you've got to, you've got to click at the right time. And it could be the kick that Wales needs if they can make it a, you know the old 20 years ago traditional Scottish model of being really difficult to play against against a team that are favourites against you and then coming up with a win it could be that jolt that Wales needs but very very difficult for Daffith Jenkins and his uh, men with everything that's going on off the field with Welsh rugby over the last couple of years and uh, you know everyone needs a strong Welsh team. Yeah, your pronunciation of Dafford was much better than mine. You've obviously spent more time with Sarah than I have. So I love that, that, that little bit of Welshness there. was much better. Speaking of not sounding very Scottish, uh, Andy Christie obviously was fantastic. You saw him at the weekend, uh, lol. Yeah, could he be the catalyst for something big for Scotland? Well, he could be, but then Gregor Townsend's got a lot of um, a lot of players at his disposal, isn't he? Um, you know, Darge is obviously his, his co-captain. Be unusual to name a co-captain and stick him on the bench. So, um, you know, there's there's options right across the board, really. I mean, let's not forget Andy Christie's been playing very well for Saracens in the Premiership. I think he's played every game, but equally, he's, he's what three or four caps into his Scotland career. So, you know, there, there's options, um, and I think you know he, he's certainly going to feature um, whether he starts or not. I don't know, but um, 
excited about how they can go. Finn Russell obviously playing very, very well when he gets that kind of front football. And it's a tough one to call because, you know, the form says Scotland, but actually Wales under Warren Gatlin, you know, it's a bit of a changing of the guard. Every team is, is sort of, apart from Scotland, are without their number 10 that they've had for, you know, no damn bigger, which is a big loss for, for Wales in terms of his leadership. I'm sure the referees around the world are delighted that he stepped down, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, he's a phenomenal, a phenomenal player. So I think it's such an important game for Wales because you play your first game at home, you have to win that. You have to win it. You, you lose that and then they really are under pressure because they've, they've got some tough away games coming up. I mean, England next after, after that. You know, you win your first game, they go into the England game in a completely different mindset. You know, you lose that, they could find themselves two from two quite quickly in the tournament and, and then really struggling. So if they can create that hunger and desire, and we all know what the Welsh public will turn up in, in their thousands and get behind their team, then, then they could cause a bit of an upset. Just from, um, from, from Scotland's perspective, Lawrence mentioned that France might lose one of their away games. They've also got a new mole in the camp in Blair Kinghorn that's obviously Toulouse is such a big part of the French strategy. Just having that insider knowledge might, might make all the difference for them. So before we go then, come on then, give us your uh, one to six. Uh, I know we haven't had a ball kicked yet and it's very difficult to say, but um, who do you think is going to finish where in this tournament? Uh, Lawrence, you go first. Well, I think, as I said, I think France will win the title. Um, whether they win every game or not is is another matter. I don't need, don't need to worry about that. England will go better. I mean, I hope they go better. If they don't, then we need to ask some serious questions. So I, I sort of see England and Ireland finishing joint second. You know, it will come down to points. Um, well, second and third, but, it, you know, I, I think England are going to win more games than they lose. So that's going to put them up near the top of the table. Ireland, I think, you know, they're still a formidable side, but I just wonder how they can replace Johnny Sexton and how soon they can replace him in terms of playing in the same style of rugby in the same way and have that same level of accuracy and uh, that they've had before. Um, so I see maybe France, England, Ireland... Uh, I think probably Scotland, Wales, and then Italy. Ben, do you see anybody else winning it? Uh, no, France to win it. I agree entirely that the big banana skin for England finishing where Lawrence thinks they might is uh, up at Murrayfield with what's happened in the Calcutta Cup over the last couple of years. But England are due a big performance up there. So I'm not going to argue too hard on that one. The only difference might be Italy, who we've just been speaking about. Can they leapfrog Wales at the bottom? And, uh, you know, we mentioned about them, their ability and their confidence going to Cardiff with what happened there a couple of years ago. And then they get Scotland at their place and they'll feel that in previous years they they maybe could have done something against Scotland in Rome. So uh, I'm going to back Italy having champion them staying in and not having relegation to not finish bottom of the pile. Oh, so if we had relegation, then the Welsh would be relegated. Ooh. Uh, yeah, probably we shouldn't have relegation at this stage anyway. No. But, well, uh, you, we you said that, not me. Uh, Benny, um, <laughs> I'm going to leave you to, to pack your bags and head over to Rome. I shall be joining you uh, over there for ITV's coverage of uh, of the Six Nations. We're commentating on uh, on Italy against England in Rome. So as um, true professionals, we like to arrive in Rome nice and early, get ourselves settled in <laughs> and uh, find a restaurant or two and a nice drop of uh, Barolo probably. But uh, yeah, thanks for, uh, for joining us today, Benny. Really appreciate that and uh, sharing your insights and uh, see you in Rome. Ciao, Bella Lorenzo. Oh, very good. Ciao, mon ragazzo. Right, great stuff. Well, that's all for this week on the pod. My thanks, obviously, to Ben Kay and to Steve Cording. We'll be back next week with all the Six Nations news. So until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. 
The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 